Okay, so this is a new message this morning. Um, it's called, the title of it is called The Wind. The Wind. Everybody say The Wind. You know, like I'm a fan of the wind when it's blowing in the summer and cooling me off. I'm not a fan of the wind when it's coming in such a drastic state of a tornado or, you know, uh, things of this nature. You know, I don't like the wind too much, you know. I, I go to the coast and the wind blows all the time and I get to where I don't like the wind. You know what I mean? But the wind is something that's very can be a very great blessing in your life or it can be a source of problems. So right here, I want to uh, I want to read Matthew chapter 12. I want to start in verse 9. Matthew 12, verse 9. It says, Now when he had departed from there, he went into the synagogue, and behold, there was a man who had a withered hand. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath that they might accuse him? So this is a set-up thing. You with me? I don't know. I mean, the scriptures don't tell us a whole lot. Did the guy just come to church that day? Or did they say, hey, Jesus is coming to preach. You know, oh, Tom down there has got the withered hand. Go bring him in here because we want to see if he's going to do something. We don't know how set up it was. But it was a set up thing because they were only looking at the man to see if they could get Jesus on some accusation. And they said, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath that they might accuse him? Then he said to them, what man is there among you who has one sheep, and if it falls into a pit on a Sabbath, will he not lay hold of it and lift it out? Now, you've got to understand where this comes from. This, under, this comes from the Jewish law that they had begun to, over the years, begin to just add more to God's word. God's word says, honor the Sabbath. Don't work on the Sabbath. Don't be about your day. Make that a day that you're going to worship God. Okay? That's what it said. Then they said, okay, well, what constitutes work? So the wife stood up and said, well, cooking. Cooking's work. Uh, you know, I don't know if they were trying to get out of it or whatever, but I'm just saying. They said, oh, cooking's work. And so they said, okay, no cooking on the Sabbath. So, I mean, if you know Jewish households, they have stoves that, you know, they on Friday night, they get everything put into the stove, and then they set on a timer and then it comes on and cooks the meal so they didn't have to work. And I don't know, it just seems kind of crazy to me that, you know, that God would say, oh, it's okay to pay twice as much for a stove that cooks your food for you on Friday, and therefore you didn't really constitute it as work. But somebody had to take it out, put it on a plate, I don't know. You just see what I'm saying? They just kept getting more and more things to it. So now they're saying, they were literally saying, if you're walking by, Jesus said, look, even in your humans, you're walking by your sheep's laying in a pit. You're going to reach over there and pull it up. And y'all have said that constitutes work. Not, not looking at it as you bless the sheep because he didn't die. You bless your family because you still had the income from the sheep, right? And so... You're trying to keep this religious perspective, but yet you would have lost a sheep. Didn't make sense. He said, you'd do that for a sheep, but how much more this man? So then he says, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and it was restored as whole as the other. Now with me? I don't know what that withered hand looked like. Withered, to me, seems to be withered. I've looked the word up, and the word means withered. Okay, so I mean, it, it's withered. 
And it was restored whole as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and plotted against him how they might kill him. Now, just think of that. Think of the, they, they're, okay, you know, they're in the synagogue, okay, but let's just call it church. They're in church, and they're plotting how to kill somebody. How many of y'all would agree that that's the wrong attitude to have in church, right? It's the wrong attitude, okay? So they couldn't, these religious leaders couldn't see the truth because they were blinded. Okay, blinded by their own desires, their own religious teachings. Uh, somebody had, through their life, had raised them up, spoken to them, and they, their eyes got twisted. Okay? Now, when I was praying about this message and working on this thing, I've been working on this thing for a couple of months. You may say, well, you should have done better, you know. But uh, I've just been chewing on it because I just really believe that I see something here that will help you today that will help you be able to, to be able to look at the world and what's going on in the world today with some different eyes, okay? Now, how many of y'all remember the old song by John Conley, Rose-Colored Glasses? Got to be kind of old to know that one anyway. So I knew this song, and, you know, and, 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 and uh, I never really paid a lot of attention to the lyrics. And so then I went and I looked up the lyrics before I preached because I didn't want to mention rose-colored glasses until I, you know, sometimes you think in those old BC days, you know, you think it was okay, and then you go to looking at it, and you're like, whoa, my goodness. And so I never did really figure it out. It, it, you get into the lyrics, it's all kind of crazy. But the bottom line was it became a, a um, not an acronym, I don't know what you call it. But anyway, uh, to, for, uh, if, you, if you weren't looking at the truth, you had, you had your own rose-colored glasses, or you're just looking at everything's fine when it's really not fine, right? And so it became, you know, what do you call that? A what? A metaphor. Okay, that's good enough. We'll say that. If that's wrong, somebody in the audience told me that. Y'all forgive me. But it, it became a metaphor for just, right, you're, you're not looking at, necessarily everything going on. You've got rose-colored glasses on. You're just living in your own little world. So then that got me to thinking about glasses and wearing glasses and how that these religious leaders had on religious glasses. I've been wanting to do this for a long time because he's lying. Yeah. And so, so they put on their religious glasses, and so when they're looking at everything, they're only looking at it through their religious perspective. They're not seeing everything else that's out there. They're not looking at things based upon truth or, you know, because truth gets to be, it depends on where you're getting your truth from, right? And so they wore these glasses, and so then it affected everything in their life. So they didn't go to church to worship God. They went to church to find accusations of, you're not doing right. Did you, your, your feet are muddy. Did you pull a sheep out of the pit this morning? Well, you work. You need to do the scourging or whatever, you know, right? I mean, here's Jesus did a noteworthy miracle because they got their glasses on, their religious glasses. They can't see. And we get mad at them when we're looking at them and saying, what's wrong with you people? To be plotting someone's death in the middle of church is a wrong kind of thinking. You're not thinking Good, godly thinking. But they can't see they got on these glasses. We got people in the world right now that are going nuts because of their own religious glasses. And they're saying, look, 
it's okay to kill Jewish people and you should gas them all and annihilate them. That's okay. But they shouldn't be doing this to us. And you're like, wait a minute. You're going to extinguish a whole race of people just because of your religious glasses? But we look at them and we want to get mad at them. Say, what's the matter with you? Can't you see? They can't see. They got on their religious glasses. And the only one that can remove them is Jesus. Okay? Oh, but then you see we've got other people. All right? I had to go dig through all my sunglasses this morning. We got other people out there. All right? And they have a different set of glasses on. And these are the glasses that are the self-centeredness of their own life. They don't really care about the world and, the, and, and humanity and, and um, everyone else. They just really care that everything works for them. Hello? And so you think, well, how crazy can it get? <laughs> today, not today, but right now, this time, they're getting ready in in England to enact a law that says that if you're approached by a transgender male and you're a male and you say, I don't want to date you, go away, that that can be viewed as a, as a racial hate crime and you can go to prison for two years for it. And so I'm like, you mean to tell me we've gotten all the way to the place now in life where you can't for you, you can, well, have an opinion, but I, I couldn't, if I was a young man, choose what kind of a, a person I wanted to go out with, you know? Anyway, how crazy can these self-centered glasses be? We're going to a time in our world, of course, it's, I'm going to show you in just a second the right kind of glasses we need to have on. But as long as they have their glasses on, they are not going to come up with the answer. That's right. So there's no sense being mad at them. There's no sense throwing stones at them. There's no sense, you know, um, cursing them because they got the glasses on and they're not seeing. The Bible actually says that the, their, their minds are blinded. All right? So just, just realize what I'm trying to say to help you all here. Just start taking notice. Oh, they've got the self-centered glasses on. Oh, they've got the religious glasses on. There's a lot of pairs of glasses. I'm only dealing with three pair today. But, okay, so, so let's just say I change glasses. Here we go. Change, change glasses. Okay. And now, so there's other people out there, because I just got a fourth one. Uh, there, there's, there's other people out there that they only have political glasses on. So they view the whole world from their political glass view. Are you following me? No matter what they see, somebody stands and gives a speech. They're viewing it from their political glasses. Others are viewing it from their religious glasses. Others are viewing it from their self-centeredness glasses. All right? Okay. But we, as Christians, if you call yourself a Christian, you can only have one pair of glasses on. Okay? And those glasses have to be clear, and they have to be glasses that have biblical lenses in them. You don't have a choice. You don't have a choice. You know why? Because we serve a king. Amen. 
Listen to me. Who has a kingdom with rules and purposes for each one of his followers. The kingdom of God is not a democracy. As Christians, you're not going to get, oh, listen to me. You're not going to get before the, the, the throne of God, the, 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 the ends over. It's all been done. All the judgments have taken place. And you're not going to get to stand before the presence of God with all the rest of the saints and vote whether you want to stand or sit or lift your hands or kneel. You're not going to say, well, I don't really like going to that service. I'd rather go to the later service because the early service is a little too wild for me. I'm going to go to the later service. I'm not saying what it's going to be like. All I know is that you can serve and worship God for a thousand years, but I'm telling you what, you're going to do it the way everybody else is doing it. You're not going to get to sit down and not sing because you didn't like to sing. You're going to have a voice to sing, and you're going to sing. You're going to sing the praises of God for a thousand years, but you don't get to vote on it. There's not a committee of worship. <clears throat> Do y'all hear what I'm saying? If you don't like what I'm saying with well, this, I hate to tell you, but you can't be a Christian because we serve a king who has a kingdom with rules and purposes for each one of you. There's a purpose for your life. And we don't get to vote. Our opinion doesn't count. We only really have one choice. The one choice is, is to look through the lenses, the biblical lenses that God gave us, his word. We don't have the option to believe any other way. Now, what I'm preaching to you is really, really simple because if, you, if you'll do that, if you'll Put on the biblical lenses, take off the religious lenses, take off the self-centered lenses, take off the political lenses, and just wear the biblical lenses. It really gets to be easy because everything you need to know is already in the Bible. I don't know how many of y'all know this, but there's a Bible called a Knaves Topical Bible. Been around forever. And it's like an encyclopedia to look through. And you can look up any question, any word, and you look it up in there, then it gives you scriptures for what it says about it. You look up thief, and then you go over there and you find the word thief, and it's going to give you a whole bunch of places where you find it in the Bible. It doesn't tell you what it says. It tells you where to go look for it in the Bible. It's a cool book, okay? And it's kind of like, it's kind of like I don't understand why people don't understand that the Knaves topical Bible, not, I mean, Knaves, I guess, who did it, whatever. I'm not trying to sell Bibles today, okay? I'm not trying to sell you on this. I'm just using it as an example. You went and looked it up the word. Okay, it says, oh, I can find that over here and this, this, and this. But then you go to the Bible for the truth, all right? Because the Bible says, a scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 18, it says that the light afflictions, which is but for a moment, is working for, working for us, a far more exceeding and external weight of glory. While we do not look at the things that are seen, but we look at the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are not seen are eternal. He says that there's things you need to be looking at, but the things you need to be looking at are not things that you can see, but things that you can't see. Now, that doesn't really make a lot of sense, does it? When you're trying to figure out what to do in life, and God says, well, just look at the things you can't see. And you want to like, what? I mean, I need to see this. I need to understand this, Lord. 
And he's like, no, quit looking at the things of what everybody else is saying around you. Quit looking at what, what, what all the world's screaming and hollering and pointing here and pointing there. Folks, our world is so messed up right now that, that it, it, it's bizarre to me. And I look at it, and, I, and you've got this group over here saying this, and that group saying that, and this group saying that, and this group saying that, because they're all looking through their own lenses, the lenses of whatever they are associated with, and they can't see a viewpoint from any other person. It's only their way or the highway. But if they got their way, we'd be in a mess. And I just look at things, and I'm like, I don't. <laughs> I'm just like... I don't understand, and I, and I just cry out to God, and it makes me sick, and I'm so tired of saying, Lord, I don't understand, until I got this message, and then I thought, okay, now I'm kind of understanding some. Like how young American girls can go protest against Israel and go get in a, in a, in a, a, a pro-Palestinian uh, march saying this is what we need to do when all you have to do is go back in history, not very in the very far past, and look at what happened to women in Iran, look at what happened to women in Afghanistan, and if you want to see, is this the right direction to go, well then go look at what's been done, and then say, is that what you want to do? They're going to let you in your little spaghetti strap dress go out there, and, 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 and plants around in, in, in a Middle Eastern country as a woman? You're an idiot. But yet they're like, oh, go, go, Palestinians, go. And I'm like, you're an idiot. Why? Because they got the lens on. They got this stupid lens on. That should have been one right there. They got a stupid lens on. And they can't see anything but stupid things. And they're not thinking. And then you try to talk with one of them. Hey, I got to tell you, I had to laugh at one the other day. I, I couldn't, I, I, it was a little, a little short video came up and I went on it and I thought, what? And, and this, this young woman uh, uh, was just berating this man and, and, and he says, you have, you have propagated rape and you have propagated incest, you have propagated murder. And I'm thinking, good gosh, what this guy do? And come to find out he was an Australian sheep farmer. And I was like, huh? And they were saying that they had artificially inseminated the sheep and raped them. And done, I mean, it's just the craziest twisted thing I've ever heard. As I was just like, oh, God. And then eyes comes on. Lord says, what glasses do they have on? They can't see anything but those glasses. They just got the stupid glasses on. And God says to us, we're supposed to look at the things that are not seen. In other words, get caught up in all of that. We're supposed to look at things with biblical lenses. We're supposed to put them on, which gives us the ability to see things that are not seen. You say, well, what, 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 what do you mean? Because all of a sudden, the Bible, let me see if I can do this. I had this other really good little trick. No, can't work my phone now. No, don't call 911. <laughs> when the Bible says, the Bible says it should be like this, that the word of God is the thing that illuminates everything. Can y'all see that? How about that? That we take the word and, and illuminate everything. Huh, okay. Because we've got to have the biblical lenses on. Everything has to be weighed out by the word of God. Why? Because that's the word of our king and the kingdom that we reign in and walk in. And once you take the biblical lenses off, 
Well, then you're going to get messed up because then you're going to be looking at things that are seen. But with the biblical lenses on and weighing everything from the word. Folks, listen to me. It should be everything that comes like, oh, it says uh, my my job's not going to be be doing enough. It's not going to make it. It looks like the the, the job's going to end. You look at it with the light and say, oh, what does the word say? Oh, the word says God's going to prosper me. He's El Shaddai. He can always provide everything for me. Okay. The doctor's report comes in. You, you put the word over it and he says, oh, okay, that's what the doctor said, but this is what the word says. The word says about the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. He said, well, pastor, I know you say that, but, you know, I don't feel good and, I'm, and things aren't really going right. And, and all I'm saying, okay, what you're doing is you're taking and you're trying to, with the biblical glasses, you're doing the look over the lens and look at the things that are seen. You're not looking with the glasses up here like that, that that's all you can see. You're, you're, you, you pulled down for just a minute and you looked over and you're looking at them. And you're saying, whoa, it looks bad. That looks scary. That might kill me. So what do we do? What do we do as Christians? How are we going to do this? I mean, uh, if I just stop right now and let you go, you'd say, oh, that was good. I don't really know what he's talking about, but that was good. I liked it. <laughs> it was funny. He had a bunch of sunglasses. It had something to do with sunglasses. I don't remember. But i got to take you the next step. i got to help you to apply this. Because, folks, listen, the Bible has already told us. You go read Matthew 24. It is what's going on today. It already, Jesus already said that this is what was going to happen. I mean, folks, listen to me. They are literally in countries right now, signs going up that says no Jews welcome, like to restaurants and hotels. They are literally, they are literally taking Jewish people and trying to find them and, and hunt them down. And I'm like, folks, we saw how this went in 1939 Germany. And we can't learn from our past, and nothing's changed. I, I was thinking the other day, I, I, and, and maybe somebody can call me up and, and or send me an email and tell me it's you, and hopefully you're close. But I said, I wish I had a neighbor that was a, a, a full-blown Jew. I just want to call him up and say, listen, anybody mess with you, just call me. I'm a Gentile grafted into the root, but bless God, man, I'm loaded down and I will take care of you. Just tell me, well, I'll whoop on somebody. Just tell me who. Anybody mess with you, just let me know. But I think we're all in the same pot around here. You know, we're just all Gentiles. But anyway, so what are we going to do? Go to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew 14, 22. And I want to show you. I want to let you leave today with something that you can apply to your life and... <clears throat> Matthew 14, 22. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. Now while he sent the multitude away, and when he had sent the multitude away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Now when the evening came, he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost! And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Be of good cheer. It's I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered and said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come on. Now when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to Jesus. Now stop there. Okay, just think about this. 
Peter, first they were afraid, right? They thought it was a ghost. And they're freaking out. They're scared. Ah! Row, row, row. And then he said, hey, guys, it's me. So I don't know what the distance was. All I can say is it had to be, Jesus had to be close enough to them for them to see him, right? And then to be heard. So I don't know. I mean, it still could have been a good ways off. And then Peter was just freaking out, thought he saw a ghost. And now he's like, he's walking on water. Lord, bid me to come to you. He said, Peter said, I want to walk on water. Now, folks, how did his faith jump? From crying in the boat that he's seeing a ghost to, I think I can walk on water like Jesus. That's a big leap, right? So imagine, imagine this edge of this stage is the boat. And, and, and Peter had to take that first step. Had to get right up and he, no, he had to, I better get over here so I don't trip and fall off, hold on the stage. He had to, he had to, he had to crawl over the boat, right? And then, then his foot's coming down. Y'all are wondering what I'm doing here. See, he's like this, and he's crawling over, and he's getting it. And then his foot's coming down. I touches the water, and he's standing. I mean, it's the only way I can see it, folks. I mean, I don't think Peter just went up there and jumped. And I, I think he tested it. What? It's hard? The water's hard? And then he got both feet down, okay? And he's walking, standing on the water, right? But then it says here, I'm taking the scriptures, what it says literally, he says, coming when Peter came down out of the boat, he walked on the water to Jesus. All right, so now imagine I'm on the water, okay? And he's walking, He's walking on water. He's doing the miracle. He's, he is looking into the things that are not seen. But he's looking at Jesus and he's looking. Jesus gave him word, come. And he's looking at the things that are not seen. And he's walking by faith. And he's going towards Jesus. He's doing the supernatural. He did it, folks. Peter walked on water I, I bet I don't know I don't know this is the Seth Robert but I bet around the campfire at night everybody talking about what's going on because they're always arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven that Peter popped off little comments every now and then and none of y'all walked on water because guys do that kind of stuff John saying I have laid my head on the breast of the son of God and Jesus loves me more than y'all and Peter says, yeah, but you never walked on water. And then some smart aleck would say, yeah, but you sank. And Jesus had to rescue you. And he says, don't make no difference. I walked on water. Because that's what guys do. Okay, so have I got this impression in your mind now? Have you seen this? Have you seen this scared little crying Peter who says he saw a ghost? Now he's walked on water. Okay, but mm, those things get us in such trouble. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. 
Do you notice it didn't, it wasn't like he was at the carnival and the seat got knocked out from under him and he just went into the water? It wasn't a dunking booth. He began to sink slow. Just slowly sinking, 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 sinking. And then the lower he got, the bigger the waves seemed. Oh, listen to me. The lower he sunk down in the water, then the bigger the waves seemed. And that's what happens to us. We get down in life and we get low. We get discouraged. We get into that place in life that that takes us down. We don't feel strong. We don't whatever. And we start going down, down, down. And the waves begin to look bigger. So what's the moral to this story? Don't look at the wind. It's a no-brainer here. Don't look at the wind. Look at Jesus. That's the, that's the whole story. Peter was doing the supernatural. He could have he tapped out there all the way to Jesus. Right? Walked out there, high-fied Jesus. Said, that's the coolest thing I ever did. Lord, thank you for letting me walk on water with you. Now, do we want to kiss walk on from here? Do we want to go get in the boat? See, that's what happens to us as Christians. We think Jesus has limitations. We think that Jesus is like, oh, we just got out there to him. We finally mustered up enough faith to get to Jesus. And the wind didn't get us and the waves didn't get us. But the truth of the matter is Jesus would have, it was no big deal to him. The supernatural, walking on the water. But to Peter, to all of us, we make it a huge thing. Like that was the only one thing that we could have ever got from the Lord. And all I'm trying to tell you is that if you won't look at the wind and you'll look at Jesus, then you can walk on water. When you take the word, God's word, and you use it with the biblical lenses on, and what you're looking at is the word, and you're keeping the word and the truth, and you're measuring all things by the word, then all of a sudden things don't look so big. Things don't look so woolly. Things don't look so scary. My wife showed me a clip. That says to a Christian, this life that we live on earth is the closest you will ever get to hell. But to an unsaved person, this life here on this earth is the closest I'll ever get to heaven. She read that to me and I thought, man, I wish I'd have come up with that. This life that we're living right now, no matter what trial you're going through, no matter tribulation, no matter what problems are arising, no matter what's going on. Folks, listen to me. This is as close as you're ever going to get to hell. It only gets better from here. We go into World War III. I don't know. It just puts us closer to the end and it just gets better from here. Is there going to be hurting, suffering, pain, sorrow? Yes. Because we live in a fallen world and there's men who only have glasses on that are evil. They don't have glasses on to look at things from biblical perspectives. What's in the wind is the threats and the fears. Or let me put it this way. The threats against you... The fears that you have inside your heart and the lies that have been spoken to you in your mind. That's what's in the wind. That's what's in the wind. It's the threats and the fears and the lies that you've, you've believed that you can't make it, that you're not good, that God's not with you, God doesn't love you. Let's just take that one, God doesn't love you. Well, I mean, you're looking through a lens of whatever view it may be, because if you had the lens on the biblical lens, you'd see in here where God so loved you that he sent his own son to save you. So through a biblical spotlight on God doesn't love me, you would be seeing he does love me. 
You got the wrong lenses on. You got the wrong glasses on. If you go read the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah is one of the, one of the most amazing prophets, but I, I really would not have ever wanted to live in his day because it was the end of the fall of Jerusalem. And uh, Nebuchadnezzar had come in there. They defeated uh, uh, all the land. They were going to be carried back. There were a certain amount of captives that were being carried back to Babylon. There were other captives. If you were poor and you didn't have anything, I don't know if that meant didn't have anything because you were poor, but it actually says you were poor and had nothing. So I don't know if that was nothing to offer, like you were just not too sharp. They left you in the land. So basically the big house that was on the corner that you always looked at when you were poor and didn't have it became yours. So those poor people actually stepped up in life tremendously from the defeat of the land because they got to go live in the rich man's house. And all the provisions, all everything that was there, they'd been living out in the street in a cardboard box, and all of a sudden, they got to go into the nice house because there was nobody there. So it was a great day for them. They were hooping and hollering, woohoo! Think about that. God took care of all the poor of the land in one night by defeating Jerusalem. All the wealthy, they were carried off. So they said, oh, poor people. They lost everything. Well, they lost everything because they never would obey what God had told them to do. So Jeremiah 39, 18, Jeremiah prophesies to him and he says, For I will surely deliver you and you shall not fall by the sword. But your life shall be as a prize to you because you have trusted in me, says the Lord. So he said, look, I'm going to give you your life as a prize. You're going to go back to Babylon. He said, go in there. And if you go read the rest of the verses, he said, go, go plant your vineyards. You know, do things that have long-term uh, effect to them because, you know, you're going to, that's where you're going to, you've got your life. You're going to be okay. You're not going to die by the sword. Then what's interesting, if you keep reading, you get over in the, in the, in the 40s, chapters 40s in Jeremiah, then there was people in the land that said, oh, man, this isn't any good. Let's go. Let's go to Egypt. And Jeremiah got up and prophesied and said, look, if you stay here, you're going to be okay. But if you go to Egypt, you're going to die. And so what did they do? They left. They went to Egypt and got destroyed. The point I'm trying to say here is just because there's an army outside and the city you're in is being sieged doesn't mean you're going to be defeated. I do not know, listen to me, how the end time events are going to play out. There's a few things that I, I believe strongly, like number one, America has to fall before the end time can really come to pass. And so I, I, I believe that, you know, we can mess up. I don't know when, if it's now, later, whatever. But I'm just telling you, I'm looking at Jesus, not at the circumstances and the situations. I got to look at Jesus and look at everything through a biblical perspective and shine the light of the glory of the gospel upon it to see what is truth and what is not because there is no other way to live. Otherwise, you start sinking and the waves get bigger and you live your life in freak-out mode. And I'm tired of freak-out mode. Listen to what I'm saying here. I, I, I'm not that old, but as I'm getting older, I can see. I don't have as much energy as I used to have. So now I look at everything based upon the amount of energy I'm going to have to expel to get it done. So when something comes up that I would normally get mad about 
and would have expelled some emotional energy getting mad about that, complaining about it, griping about it. I don't do that anymore because I don't want to waste any energy. I've just got enough in my little bag over here. I ain't planning on wasting none of it. And so I've got it right here. And I'm like, I ain't throwing no emotional energy on that. I just ain't going to look at that. Lord, just take care of that situation. That person's an idiot, a jerk, a fool. But Lord, bless them. Get them away from me. That's the way I handle it. Because I'm not going to waste no emotional energy. Where used to be, and I just said, what are you talking about? I just gone off and spent my emotional energy. I ain't going to waste no emotional energy anymore. If a person's stupid, they're just stupid. I just, God, you take care of them. And I ain't going to mess with it. I'm not going to get provoked into that because it's not worth me spending my emotional energy. I want to keep my eyes on Jesus and Lord, what do you want me to do? Because Lord, it's too, things are too crazy right now. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to look out and get shot in the head because I said, what's going on over there? Boom. It's not a time to stick your head up out of the foxhole and look around. I'm protected under the shield of the anointing of God and I'm going to stay there. And I don't want to get out and go get all angry and mad and look over here in the deal and get shot. I ain't going to do it. Jimmy, the other night in fast class, he, he said this word and it just, it just leaped off. He was doing a teaching, and if you miss it, you, you, you miss it. And uh, he was doing a teaching on uh, finances, and he said, faith is the currency of heaven. When he said it, it just went inside of me. Faith is the currency of heaven. I started thinking about dollars. I started thinking about money being transferred, money going in, and, and, and the currency of heaven. Faith is the currency of heaven. Everything in life that's going to come from you, you're sending up here and coming back down to you, all has to do with faith. And if we don't have faith in Jesus at this time, just because things look troubled, then what kind of faith did we have to start out with? Oh, it's easy to walk in faith. Oh, I'm a person of faith when everything's going great. But what about when everything's going wrong? Well, if you had faith, you would things wouldn't go wrong. No, he never promised us a life without tribulation. But our faith takes us through the tribulation. We walk on the water through the tribulation. We stand out there, keep looking at Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And we say, Lord, bid me to come over there to you. Hebrews eleven six 6 says it's without faith. It's impossible to please Jesus. I'm going to finish right here. Go to Hebrews chapter 12, and I'm getting through. Heard the other day, and I'm glad y'all don't feel this way. Heard from a person here in town that said, um, somebody asked them about Living Waters Church, and they said, oh, it's a really good church. Uh, you know, the, the pastor's a good guy, and a lot of good people go to church over there. Music's great. So the only problem is that preacher just preaches too long. So I looked at the person, I said, so what you're saying is we're a good church, I'm just a long-winded preacher. And she said, yeah, basically, yeah. I said, well, thank you. God bless you. I'm excited about what I have to say. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and every sin that so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Do you know that Jesus counted going to the cross a joy for you? He counted it a joy for you. So when we look at Jesus, shouldn't maybe we not count it a joy to serve him in whatever trouble and trial we got to? We're just going to believe God that we're going to overcome it. And we're going to walk in victory. And we're going to be a testimony to this world. Testimony for all those around us. Oh, Robert over there, he look what he did. He walked on water. Are you all with me? Count it a joy. Oh, that old crazy, stupid scripture over there in James when he was just probably smoking pot, 
doing cocaine and said, count it all a joy when you fall into trials and temptations. That's what we all think, right? We think he might have been out of his mind to say, count it a joy when something bad's happening, right? He's over there, hey, I got a new one. Hello? You know I'm preaching good. You all think that nobody wants to read James chapter 1. We would rather read the one over there in Matthew saying to be kind to our enemies than to read James chapter 1. We don't want to count it a joy when we fall into trials and temptations. We want to say, I can't say that. I can't say what we want to say. It starts with a B, and it means you express out of your mouth a whole lot about the problems going on. So I didn't say it. But that's what we want to do. We want to, and, and about all that's going on, about the people and the person and who did that and who did this to me and they did that and this. And if they wouldn't have done that, then this wouldn't have happened and my taxes wouldn't be higher and they wouldn't have done this and that wouldn't have gone on and if they wouldn't have done that, then this wouldn't have. And we just want to, we just want to, are y'all, y'all following me here? We don't want to say, oh, bless God. Thank you, Jesus. There's a storm out on the raging ocean here, and you want me to come to you out there and walk on the sea with some water. Oh, I hope it's not cold, Lord. Counting the trials and tribulations we go through is a joy because we see we know God is going to deliver us, and we're going to see a victory, and we know we're going to see glory come, and we know we're going to see God get exalted, and we know that we're going to beat it, and we're going to see the, the, the miracle hand of God moving in our life. Why? Because we have on the wrong lenses. Everything has to be measured. That's why when we look at things and say, why are they like this? We realize that in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it says, God chose the foolish things of the world to confound the wisdom of the wise, and you realize you're a foolish thing. God didn't choose all the perfect people. He chose those that were messed up and crazy and just wanted them to be freed and following him. So God got more glory because everybody knew you were a nutcase and now you're serving God. Look at the person beside you. See, he must be talking about you. You can't be talking about me. Yeah, if you're a nutcase, you're set right to serve God. Did I tell you that was the last scripture? Okay, well, I won't give you this scripture. I'll just quote it. Okay, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Psalm 16, 8, David said, I set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. That's how you do it. That's how you do this. Not seeing the things that are, seeing the, not seeing the things, not looking at the things that are seen. That's what I won't say. But looking at the things that are not seen, that's how you do it. You have to set the Lord before you have to keep your eyes on Jesus. You have to keep your eyes on the word and let it interpret everything else going on around you. And then you'll be in the right place. Then you can see things. So there's a war going on in Israel. You look at it with the Bible and you say, oh, okay, well, Palestinians, y'all are wrong. You look at terrorists. I'm sorry, you're wrong. It's the way it works. You say, well, I don't know. I don't know. If, no, no, no. I'm not going to put on the political glasses. No, I'm just going to keep the biblical ones on, and that's how I'm going to live. End of story. If you have any questions, take it up to Jesus. This is what we're going to do. I believe my Bible's true. End of story. It takes all the load off of you. You just got to carry it around with you and shine the flashlight of the word onto whatever situations are. Yeah, okay. That's what we do. That's what we believe. Well, Lord, what about? Quit trying to figure out what about. It is not my job, listen to me, folks, it is not my job to figure out the problems the Palestinians are in. It ain't my job. Why do they get quiet? 
I should have had an amen after that. It's not my job. I can't figure out that twisted, messed up system. I know what's wrong, but I, I, I can't figure out what to do. It's not my worry. It's my side category. I put it over there and pray, God, your will be done and leave it alone. I ain't got time to, in my emotional, my little bit of energy bag I got. I ain't going to worry about that. You say, but that's horrible. You should just be, I pray. I throw, I, I do what I'm supposed to do, but I'm telling you, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. And I'm certainly not marching on the street unless through the biblical perspective, because I have marched before and I have. I've been to Austin before, some of y'all, and we did our march, and we did our walking. And at first, it was fun. And at first, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I want to tell you, a couple of miles into the thing, I was kind of like, man, is there a bicycle around here or something else I could get on? My feet are getting tired, and my zeal's running thin. <laughs> but what I'm saying to you, you just got to put the biblical light on it and look at it and let, it, let the Bible interpret it. End of story. Amen. Stand to your feet, please. Can I have my prayer team come down? So I think today, maybe, maybe you need to throw off some of your glasses. You've got the wrong lens on. If you're out there watching, you're listening. You, I just put it this way. If you think I'm crazy, you have on the wrong pair of glasses because I'm preaching the truth to you. You need to take them off and hear the good news that Jesus died for you. He loves you. He paid a price for you. That's it. Give him a hand clap for the Lord. That's the truth. And if you're not right with Jesus, you don't, you don't know that if you died today, you'd go to heaven. It's real simple. Jesus counted it a joy to go to the cross for you, to pay the price for you, to buy your redemption. And all you have to do is right there, call out on the name of the Lord. Just say, Jesus, come into my life. Save me. Forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are the son of God and I want to be a part of your kingdom. And right there, the spirit of God will touch you. He'll heal you and he'll bless you right there. And you'll be a part of the kingdom of God. Now you don't get to have an opinion in it, but who cares? It's the greatest place on the face of the earth. If you're in here today, so we have prayer team people up here to pray with you. If you've got just matters you want to pray about, don't always think that the prayer team people, you know, just if you, if you need to get right with God, they're here. No, they're here to pray with you about anything. You've got an aunt that, you know, needs prayer, then come pray with one of them. And, but if you're in here and you're not right with Jesus, you don't know that if you died, you'd go to heaven. Well, then they're, they're here for that, to pray with you and to help you through that. Don't walk out these doors unless you know that you're right with God. Can I have an amen? amen. Now I'm going to pray for you. And y'all think about this message, and if you need to throw some glasses off, throw some glasses off. But Father, I just pray over everybody right now. I pray, oh Heavenly Father, that this church would be able to look, not with religious glasses on, but with biblical glasses on, biblical lenses to be able to see everything going on and to understand what's taking place and to be able to, Lord, see clearly the path that you have for us. I pray, oh, Heavenly Father, any old pairs of glasses, any old pairs of religious glasses, self, selfish glasses, Lord God, glasses that are political, that, that they've, they lose them. Can't find them, even if they want to look for them. They're not there because all we can see is through the eyes of your word. Now, Lord, we praise you for that. And Jesus, we thank you that you counted it a joy to go to the cross for us. So bless them now, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church.